Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the previous episode where I talked about growing pains with Little Miss Spicy, and I'm happy to report that she has seen a lot of kids since then, and she has no big feelings about it. So I think just a really good reminder to all of us that uh, behavior is fluid and oftentimes conditional. So it's important that we look at those different variables instead of just labeling our dogs things like not good with kids, because that ain't actually the truth, especially for Little Miss Spicy. So if you are new around here, welcome to the podcast. I do my best to share helpful, insightful easy to implement training information slash insight inside of this podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk about something that I think about a lot, literally think about a lot. And it's one of those that I've hesitated to do this this episode on this topic because it is, uh, it's very, I guess we could say woo-woo, right? Like there's there's some woo-woo about it. But the reason that I'm going to share with you about the stories we tell ourselves about our dogs in today's episode is because it is something that has been absolutely game-changing for my ability to be successful with my dogs. And my hope in sharing my perspective, right, and my personal experience here is that some of it will resonate with you. And it can also be hugely helpful for your overall well-being and your ability to show up for your dog, okay? So, the stories we tell ourselves about our dogs. So I think that, well, I don't think I know, this is something that we all do. We tell ourselves stories in our little brains about our dogs. And sometimes that works for us. Sometimes that works against us and basically everything in between. But I think that outside of the stories we tell ourselves just existing in our own little brains, I think we have to remind ourselves that like what we think about actually has real effects on how we behave and how we interact with our dogs. And in turn, that changes how our dogs behave and how they interact with us, right? And the stories we tell ourselves is something that I think about a lot, something that I talk to a lot of my colleagues about a lot. And I think that a big percentage of the work that I do is convincing my clients to change the stories they're telling themselves about their dogs in order to get to achievable goals and outcomes. Okay. So we all tell ourselves stories about our dogs. If you are a longtime listener and you've heard me talk about Spicy, you know that a story that my husband and I tell ourselves about Spicy is that she's really pretty easy. She's really easygoing and she doesn't have any, you know, major challenges. And while that story that we tell ourselves is partly made up in our mind, it's also 
partly informed by how we perceive the reality of living with spicy, right? And that's our perception of living with spicy because someone else might have the same dog and the same behavior, but their perception of their behavior is different. And I think that the stories that we tell ourselves about our dogs ultimately define how we interact with our dogs, how we train our dogs, how we feel about our dogs. And I think that this is something that I see come up a lot in the 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 world of dog training and the other side of dog training, I guess we could call it, where there's this, you know, justification and rationalization about using aversive stimuli to train dogs, right? So choking dogs with choke chains, using pinch collars, using e-collars, right? And so much of that is informed by the stories that those people tell themselves about their dogs, right? And I'm not saying that some of this isn't based in reality, but a lot of it is based in perception, right? And when we can get to the root of the story that we're telling ourselves about our dogs, that that creates an opportunity to not only change how the human feels, but change how the human interacts with their dog, and then in turn, how the human chooses to train said dog, right? And a lot of my clients, right, a lot of the, the beautiful people, some of you listening, that I work with, you already have stories you tell yourself about your dog when you come to work with me. And a lot of times the stories you tell yourself about your dogs are wonderful. They're great stories, right? They're so sweet. They are so loving. They're so intuitive. Um, they're so silly. And again, sometimes this is informed by reality. Sometimes it's informed by your perception of your dog's behavior. And sometimes, let's be honest, we just create these things in our minds, okay? And I'm not saying that this is good or bad. This is neutral, right? But a lot of times when I get hired, right, a lot of times the story starts to shift because my clients feel like, okay, well, we've invested in training. We need to get to this outcome. And the the story kind of starts to shift. And sometimes the story starts to shift to a story that's not wildly productive, right? My dog is an asshole. (laughs) My dog is dominant. My dog is horribly aggressive. And again, I'm not saying that sometimes the reality of these behaviors isn't there. But if you're telling yourself the story that your dog is horribly aggressive over and over and over again, that is going to set you up to be in a position where you feel more comfortable, potentially, saying like, okay, well, I have to use an e-collar because my dog is so aggressive all of the time, right? And I think that this is really what's fueling the other side of the dog training industry is people telling themselves these stories about their dog and then a predatory trainer coming in and really cap, yes, your dog is aggressive. They're unpredictable. The e-collar is the only way. We have no other options. And, you know, they run with the story that you're telling yourself. And I consider myself to be on the other side of this this industry of dog training where when I show up, my hope is always to change the story you are telling yourself about your dog to not only improve your quality of life, but also open up the to improve the quality of life of your dog. And as a byproduct product of that, the connection and the relationship that you build with your dog is significantly better than when I showed up. Right. And I'm going to give you some examples, but stick with me here. I know that this is a little broad, but I promise I'm going to narrow it in. Right. 
But the story is that we tell ourselves about our dogs, whether they are real, maybe they're our perception, maybe they are imaginary. They are always going to influence how we interact with our dogs, what we choose to do with them, how we set them up in certain circumstances. And that is, in my humble opinion, one of the most integral parts of the work that I do with my clients right, is I help them understand their dog. I help them understand why their dog is doing X, Y, or Z. I help them celebrate the silly, beautiful quirks that are their dog. And in turn, I help them tell themselves different stories about their dog so that everyone can lead a happier, healthier life together. We obviously use a lot of black and white things, right? We use a lot of counter conditioning. We use a lot of operate conditioning, right? Those things still are important, but they're just, they're a fraction of the equation. And when I first got started in this industry, I really wanted to prove to my clients that I knew how to do the operant stuff. I knew how to do the classical stuff. And I've realized, right, over the last, seriously, almost 13 years, which is absolutely wild that I have been doing this for this long. I love it. I'll do it for the rest of my life. But anyways, I realize, right, more and more that I do this, that that is an important part of my skill set. But my ability to communicate with my clients and help them modify their own behavior, modify the ways that they're thinking about their dog and their behavior, that is actually probably more valuable than like me just taking the leash and clicker training the dog to do something, right? And while there is definitely a place for trainers in this industry who just do, right? They don't teach, they just do it. They take dogs, they work with them. I think that there's still obviously a place for that. But in the work that I do with reactive and aggressive dogs, I think so much more of my value for my clients is how I communicate with them and coach them versus how good I am at training their dog right? Because ultimately at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good I am at training a dog. What matters is your ability to train, interact, care for your dog, right? And I think that that's why Reactive Redefined has been so successful is because we coach the clients to do what needs to be done for their own dog. It doesn't matter if the dog can do it for us. It's irrelevant. doesn't matter. What matters is if the dog can do it for the guardian. So for those of you who are new to the podcast and you don't know, Reactive Redefined is a a virtual program we run for reactive dogs. It's amazing. You should check it out. Okay, so I want to give you some examples of how the story I tell myself about Waylon works against me and how when I change that story, it literally changes the reality of the outcome in addition to my perception of the outcome and how I feel about the outcome. Okay, so those of you who are longtime listeners, you know, right? You've heard me, uh, (laughs) I guess, sometimes complain. Also, just tell the truth about the reality of living with Waylon. And one of the stories that I can sometimes tell myself, right, about Waylon is that he can be uh, unmanageable, unruly on hikes, right? Because of wildlife and sniffs and blah, 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 right? So sometimes I get stuck in my own head and I tell myself the story, right? Because as many of you know, I go hiking twice a week, every week with Waylon and my mom. And 
sometimes I will get in my own head, right? Like on a Tuesday night before we're going to go hiking on a Wednesday, I know where we're going to go hiking. I get in my own head like, oh, this hike is going to suck because there's going to be animals and whales going to be pulling and I'm going to be frustrated. And I tell myself this really brutal story before it even comes to fruition. And that literally impacts how I behave the following day on that hike. I am more likely to pull on Waylon's leash. I'm more likely to yell at him. I'm more likely to be frustrated with him. Because of this story, I tell myself in my head. And again, not that the story, you know, some of it is influenced by reality. Sometimes Waylon can be difficult. But when I take a step back and I change the story, I literally just change the story that I'm telling myself. That is the only thing that I'm doing. I'm just changing the story I tell myself. Waylon has the skills. He's really good. He always listens to my cues. We're going to have a really good time. He's going to be a really good boy. You know what happens the next day when we go hiking? We have an amazing hike. I am happy. Waylon is happy. He is responding when I need him to do too. He is not pulling on leash. Even if we see moose, which, oh my God, we see so many moose these days. It's insane. But anyways, right? I can literally just change the story that I am telling myself about the dog. And it has real ramifications for the way that Waylon and I navigate certain situations. Okay, and this is something that I have talked to many of you about, right, who have worked with me one on one and reminding ourselves that telling ourselves horrible stories about how who our dog is, how they're going to behave isn't helpful. Right. And a lot of times it isn't even true. Right. We had a we had a situation recently where we were hiking and there were two uh, female moose cows, they call them, and they were split on the trail, right? So we had to like back off because you don't want to get too close because they will definitely charge at you. And Waylon was on the long leash because we were on this trail and I knew that they were moose. And I'm like, I'm not stupid. I'm not sacrificing Waylon to a moose. And instead of, you know, being like, God, he's so bad and like yanking on the leash, right? All I did was literally just move backwards and I just called him and he just literally came to me. And he was still excited, okay? Like, he's still allowed to be like, oh my god, there are giant animals. Whoa, what's going on? But he had absolutely no problem just coming away with me. He sat there. He did not pull on leash. He checked in with me frequently. And he was a total superstar, okay? And, you know, it's... I think that a lot of us kind of go on this roller coaster, right? The ebbs and flows. And I've talked about this in a podcast episode before, the ebbs and flows of life with dogs. You should check it out. It's very good. But we kind of like go in ebbs and flows about the stories we tell ourselves, right? Like we're telling ourselves the stories of like, our dogs are really good. They do what we need them to do. And then, you know, an event will happen, right? Which makes us feel like they aren't. And then all of a sudden we start to spiral and we start to tell ourselves these stories. And then we kind of go through a phase of like telling ourselves not productive stories. And then something else will happen and the dog is really good. And then we go back to telling ourselves the story that our dog is really good. Okay. And I don't want to minimize the fact that a lot of you live with reactive and aggressive dogs and their behavior can be extremely difficult. Okay. Because I wholeheartedly empathize with that. Y'all know that I have lived it, right? I have had many dogs in and out of this house that were reactive and aggressive. And I totally understand what it feels like, but 
I have greatly improved my quality of life and my ability to enjoy my dogs by literally just changing the story I am telling myself about my dog. Okay, and I think that this can sometimes work against us, okay, because there are certainly clients that I've worked with that the story they're telling themselves about their dog makes me nervous because I have seen the dog behave in what I would call sketchy, sometimes dangerous ways that the guardian doesn't seem worried about. (laughs) Okay, because I think that, well, I don't think, I know, I've seen it happen, right? Where I have clients who are like, yeah, they get kind of overly excited when people come over. It's really not that big of a deal. And then I show up and then the dog literally bites me, (laughs) right? I get a bite wound when I go in the door. And I'm like, "Mm, there's a little bit more that is happening here. And I like that you you want this to not be a big deal. And I don't want to make this a giant deal. I don't think we necessarily need to change the story too much, except for my dog gets really excited when people come over and I need to support them in those moments. Okay. And you know, this is not a perfect system. Okay. Like I am not trying to say that I know everything here, but I wanted to share with you how helpful and how transformative changing the story I'm telling myself about my dogs has been for me personally in my life. And outside of that, I think it has been hugely helpful for my clients when we can unpack the stories they're telling themselves about their dog and making sure that those stories are actually productive for everyone, right? And again, it's like so much of dog training is changing and modifying human behavior. (laughs) When I first got started in this industry, I didn't really focus that much on human behavior. It was all about like, okay, let's get the dog to do this. Let's get the dog to do that, X, Y, and Z. And again, like every year that I complete as a professional dog trainer in this, in my, you know, career of choice here, the more and more I get shifted to human behavior and what I need to do to modify human behavior to get to the outcome with the dog. Because a lot of times training the dog to do something is actually very easy. (laughs) Getting the dog and the human to work successfully to navigate all of the realities of their lives, that's really where the work needs to happen. Okay, so I want you to think about this, right? What stories are you telling yourself about your dog that are helping you? And what stories are you telling yourself about your dog that are hindering you? Because I want to encourage you to change the stories that are hindering you. And again, this is something that I'm continually doing, okay? This is not like I've achieved this. Oh, I'm only telling myself good stories about Waylon. No, okay? I get challenged, right? And I have to remind myself. And this is really fresh on my mind because I'm recording this episode on a Wednesday. Waylon and I went hiking today. Last night, I told myself a very good story about how Waylon can behave, how we're going to enjoy hiking. And you know what we did? We had such a pleasurable hike today. It was so much fun. Honestly, Waylon was so good. He walked really nicely on the leash. He did everything I asked of him. We saw lots of animals. He did not lose his marbles. And it was really, really enjoyable for both of us, right? And I have found that a lot of times when Waylon isn't doing what I want him to do, it's likely because I am the block, right? Waylon is a dog who 
is quite a mirror <laughs> to me about like how I am behaving. And if I'm getting intense, I'm getting frustrated, I'm getting annoyed, Waylon will just blow me off and be like, yeah, you are not talking to me nicely and I deserve to be treated better than this and he will not respond. But if I flip the script and I am gentle and I am patient and I am kind, Waylon listens, I would say probably like 96% of the time. Okay, and like it's humbling and I tell you what, Waylon is a dog who's taught me things that I didn't want to learn. <laughs> I just wanted a dog to come into my life and be biddable and do everything I wanted and make me feel really good about myself as a dog trainer. And Waylon was like, mm, no, <laughs> those are not the lessons you need to learn, my girl. Okay, and I think that so many clients who I work with that are struggling with their dog's behavior are resistant, right? They want to be mad. They want to be frustrated. It's the dog's fault. They want to blame the dog. And they don't want to take a deep breath and reflect that their behavior has an impact on their dog's behavior. Okay, and this is something that I'm always very gentle about. I never shame people. I'm never accusatory. I, I like to help my clients get curious and take things slow and shift. But when we start to shift the dialogue from blaming the dog, being mad at the dog, being frustrated about the dog and, and into being curious about like, okay, so under these conditions, the dog is doing this. Why? Why do we think the dog is doing that? And a lot of times when I help my clients unpack that, they start to have an empathy and an understanding for their dog's behavior that they never had before. And that is what kills me so much about the dog training world and all of these trainers who still do abusive, outdated, inhumane things in the name of training is like they have this brilliant opportunity. These people have paid you to work with them. And instead of helping them grow, you just you allow them to tell themselves these bullshit stories as an excuse to use harmful training methods. And that to me is just, it's so heartbreaking because no one succeeds there, right? Like no one wins there, <laughs> right? Everyone really fails. And there are ebbs and flows. There are ups and downs. There's never like guaranteed results. There's never 100% success. But over my 13 year career, I have always, I have always done my best for my clients and I really feel like I walk away from my clients knowing that they have more empathy, they have more understanding, they appreciate their dog more, they're able to connect with their dog more and they're doing their best to give the dog the, the most kick-ass life that they can and in turn, the dog's welfare and their overall well-being is greatly improved. It's better than when I showed up. And to me, that is the real win in my career is that not only do we teach new things, not only do we modify behavior, but we also leave our clients feeling better than they did when we showed up and loving their dogs in a deeper way and having the ability to connect with them in a different way than they did when we showed up. And a big part of that is changing the stories we tell ourselves about our dogs. So everyone, I want to hear from you. Tag me over on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. Was this episode helpful? Do you think I'm crazy? That's okay if you do. Honestly, love you for that. I'm glad you stuck with me to the end of this podcast episode. But maybe this episode resonated with you. And maybe you're like, damn, Rachel, you're right. I could probably tell myself a little bit, a little bit better story about my dog. I think that this is something that Spicy has benefited from greatly. 
so greatly because I have gotten better. I've practiced. Waylon is six and a half, you guys, which is crazy because he was always the baby. I've practiced for six and a half years of telling myself better stories about Waylon. And Spicy has benefited from that. I really don't tell myself hindering stories about Spicy. I just don't, right? Like, I it, it's just been easier in that way, right? And maybe Spicy is an easier dog. Maybe she isn't. Maybe it's my perception. Maybe I have growth. Maybe this is a sign <laughs> that all of my personal growth has gotten me to this point. Anyways, everyone, I love this podcast. Thank you so much for sticking with me. Thank you so much for listening. If you are a longtime listener and you have not left a review, it would be hugely helpful, not only for me, but for this podcast and other dog guardians. If you leave a review, that makes it easier for someone else who is struggling with their dog's behavior to find this podcast. So if you would leave me a review, I would be super grateful for that. Everyone have a beautiful weekend. Smooch those puppies for me. And I am already looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.